This is COVID-19 Seattle. I'm Dave Ross. And I'm Aaron Granilla. Are schools in Washington on track to reopen this fall, even as local coronavirus case numbers rise? Last week, Governor Inslee fired back at President Trump's threats to cut funding for schools that don't reopen quickly. Well, I just want to say this about his threats. They are hogwash. As with a lot of their claims, they have tried to bully us into making decisions that are not best for the state of Washington. So what is best for the state of Washington, or at least what's the plan right now? Well, Colleen O'Brien and I talked with Chris Rakedall this morning to get an update. He is the superintendent of public instruction for all of Washington State, of course, and he told us that they are listening to health experts. And what they've done is, I think, really effectively at the State Department of Health, not be political about this. They've said, here are the health conditions that need to be in place in order to open schools. And we took that cue to say to school districts, uh, you're locally controlled. You've got local boards that are elected, and um, they're all over the place in terms of what their preference would be in their communities. So we said, these are the health conditions you have to follow, and here are the learning expectations. And we said, these are the conditions you have to meet. And now every district is kind of going through their own local plan about this. Many, to meet the physical distancing requirements, will have some kind of hybrid model. Others, I suspect, won't open at all. Uh, Their community is not going to be receptive to that. And we do have districts who say, we can accommodate every kid, and we intend to get them all back uh, face-to-face. So it's up to individual districts, basically. And so what happens when inevitably somebody does get sick? Here's what Rakedall had to say. Contact tracing will happen immediately by local health authorities, not by school officials. Likely that building will be closed for a period of a day or two um, for the full contact tracing. And at this point, what they're suggesting is that we would reopen, uh, assuming they've done an effective job in tracing. And if they can't do it, then the building will remain closed. What's your personal threshold, though? You're in, you're in charge of schools. This is also on your show. I know you've given a lot of, of guidance to districts to go ahead and do what they need to do in their own community. But this is on your shoulders, too, as far as taking care of the schools and the kids within them. And the teachers, not to mention a lot of whom are over 50 and at high risk. Yeah, well, I have two kids in public school. And, uh, you know, you think about it as a parent. Uh, I I obviously think it's a better model to be face-to-face as a a practical matter. I also want them to be safe. And so if a district followed all the protocols that are in place, it's hand hygiene and it's routine cleaning and it's screening in the morning and it's six foot of physical distancing and it's a face covering requirement, it's the strictest protocol I've seen in the country. And if we did that, I think we could have tremendous success. It doesn't mean you're going to eliminate every case. Uh, Just as we don't eliminate influenza A every year, uh, sadly, Department of Health tells us that we do lose both adults and students every year to that. Um, But you have to minimize risk as much as possible. And what could ultimately make this very, very successful is just mass testing um, and an unbelievable uh, PPE supplied by the feds. And neither of those two things have happened. Hmm. That's Superintendent Chris Rakedall again. And Dave, I mean, this the, the whole debate over reopening schools, it's the big one in this country because, yeah. I mean, y- you have adults that can make their own decisions, right? And they can go to work when they want to. But a lot of those adults have kids and child care is tough for a lot of people. And, and kids are, are, are losing out on an education and they're losing out on a lot of social skills as well. I mean, this is this is the tough one in this country right now. Well, the bottom line here is if you're a working parent and you're relying on school as daycare, you have to have a backup plan mm-hmm. because based on what I heard this morning when we were talking to Chris Rakedall, uh, you are one uh, positive test away mm-hmm. from the whole building being closed. And you're not going to get a lot of notice for that. Uh, you're going to get a call saying, hey, 
you can't send those kids to school tomorrow. So there's going to have to be a backup plan. Uh, I remember how difficult it was when we were raising uh, two kids to arrange for daycare. It never even occurred to us mm-hmm. that at any moment schools could close. But that's what the reality apparently is going to be this year. Another big uh, discussion you guys had this morning, I was listening, is he was talking about the need to make sure that uh, if they do have to revert back to online learning exclusively to make sure that all students have access to Internet and computers. He said, I think the figure was 80 to 85 percent across the state have access to that. But getting all of those resources to the rest of the rural communities and a lot of the low income communities around the state, that is going to be a a big obstacle as well along the way. And again, if you're a parent who is thinking about this and said, my gosh, all I've got is a five year old Samsung phone, you know, um, what do I do? You need to speak up and find out if there's a program in your area to provide you with some kind of a tablet and decent Internet service that can handle streaming video. Because there's a good chance that a good portion of the school year is going to be online. And this is the time to do that, not the, not the day it happens, but uh, speak up now. Because, uh, and and I, think it's, I think the superintendent of public instruction is the place to call if you get no satisfaction from your local school district. You heard Rakedahl also in his last response there to Colleen talking about uh, the federal government's response, calling it inadequate. He said, if we had more testing, we would be in a lot better shape. If we all could go get a test today, you could dramatically change uh, the way we approach opening, whether it's schools or, 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 or businesses. Uh, this lack of information on who has the virus and who could potentially spread it is the biggest risk factor that we have, and it's, unav- and it's avoidable. Uh, we just added $4 trillion to the U.S. deficit piling money into some companies and some organizations that I don't necessarily think needed it at the time, and we still don't have testing available widespread for everybody. That is why the American numbers are so dramatically higher than the next uh, highest country. Any thoughts on that, Dave, if you want to? Well, yes. He is filing a gripe that we have been hearing about for months, but I don't see the federal government changing anytime soon. Their policy is their policy. And they seem to have this uh, sink or swim attitude. So it's up to us. I I mean, we got to people who are really worried about this need to make that known now to whatever office is the most receptive. You can start with your local school district. If that doesn't work, you can uh, call the I don't know, call the uh, superintendent of building construction. If that doesn't work, uh, go down to the governor's office and pound on his door. But the last thing you want to do is see a year of potential education wasted. That shouldn't happen. Meet the new version of the novel coronavirus. Turns out the virus we've come to know and talk about these past few months is changing, according to a new global study. Dr. Gordon Cohen says this research shows the coronavirus has morphed to be even more contagious. As the the study pointed out, the new mutation in the virus is more infectious. So that's potentially why we're seeing this huge increase, almost out of control increase in the number of people who are getting sick. But maybe it's not quite as deadly. We don't know that yet, but maybe it's not quite as deadly. And that's why the mortality rate isn't really going up. If anything, it might be going down a little bit. Dr. Cohen says that is the nature of viruses. They always morph. And that's one of the challenges with creating a vaccine, especially for a coronavirus. Look, there's never been a a vaccine to a coronavirus. And 
as we've talked about before, I mean, half the common colds are caused by coronaviruses. And clearly our body is able to uh, mount an immune response because we fight off the cold. But what happens? The following year, we get the cold again. So it's not as though the immune response to a coronavirus is all that strong. And because coronaviruses have this incredible ability to mutate, we may not even have immunity for the following year. So if a vaccine is no certainty, that would mean drug therapy is probably the next best solution to at least treat the infection. And of course, the only defense we have right now masks. So those will be around for a while, it seems. Yep. And I would suggest that as you're training your toddler to use the toilet, uh, train your toddler to wear a mask without trying to tear it off, because that (laughs) it it may be years, Aaron. Mm -hmm. It may be years. And the uh, the younger you can get them to wear a mask, the more likely your school is to stay open. Speaking from the parent of a two and a half year old girl, and it's not easy to do. I'll tell you, I try to put on a mask. uh, Going to the grocery store, and it's it's kind of fun for her at first, and then she's she's done within a, like 30, 40 seconds. So yeah, it's tough, but yeah, I'm with you, and uh, I think I think you're right, and I think Dr. Gordon Cohen is right too that masks might be the new normal. And now to the alphabet soup of our economic recovery. We've heard about the possibility of a U, a W, or a V-shaped recovery. Now, Dave, we're talking about a K. And I had no idea that was even a thing. But here's what CBS business analyst Jill Schlesinger told me could happen. Basically, the economy plummets. It goes straight down, right? Yeah. Comes kind of like now you start to come back up. But there's like two two different um, parts of that. So first, there's the upslope of the K. Which is white collar workers who can work from home, keep their jobs, their companies keep going on. The stock market goes up, so their 401ks get bigger, their house values go up because there is still a demand for homes, and the wealthier people see an upswing in their economic growth and their household wealth. But then there's the other downward foot of the K. Those are people that are at risk. Those are people who make less than $40,000 a year. Those are people of color. Those are people who were already under pressure, maybe didn't have savings to begin with, can't weather a storm. And my fear is that that is what happens on the ground in reality. Yes, the totality of the whole economy may look like we can survive this, but there are people who are going to be hurt and the hurt is going to be really segmented. So what it sounds like to me that Jill is describing is an even further widening of the wealth gap. And look, whatever letter you want to assign to this recovery, Congress has to get to work protecting the most financially vulnerable or else that K collapses, Dave. Yep. If you've ever built a K, (laughs) boy, I've built many of them. If you take that foot away, it just keels right over. So that's going to be up to Congress. We're waiting to see if they're going to extend the unemployment supplement and the uh, in the recovery package. It is up in the air. So cross your fingers. We will be back tomorrow and every day after with a 10-minute rundown of the daily local news. You can subscribe to this podcast. You can also find our news coverage on MyNorthwest.com or listen live at 97.3 FM.